Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome into the Winner's Circle Network, and this is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. I'm Mac McDonald, and uh, yeah, summer air conditioning, fighting through that. But Ralph, <laughs> it's uh, it's all good. How you doing? How are the camps? How are the camps doing? Camps are good, but, you know, you mentioned summer air conditioning, Mac, and then all the people out in the Portland area with no air conditioning never really needed. I feel sorry for them in this 100-degree weather. But camps, uh, we in a, we in an air-conditioned gym, uh, so yeah. we're not too, too bad. They've been really, really good. we got great success, you know, after, you know, a pandemic year and not being able to do camps, and now I'm doing camps up at Mass Mountain Resort. It's been phenomenal over the last couple of weeks. we got a, a few more weeks to go. And all the kids are loving it. I'm getting great response from parents and and people. You know, we, we, we get more fans watching the camp up top than we get, you know, kids, right? Because there's right. people that come there, they see us, and then all of a sudden, wow, we want to, you know, have our kid in. But we can't have so many kids due to COVID restrictions. But I'm having fun being back on the basketball court with kids. I bet you. It, and I was going to say, and isn't it fun, whether you're watching playoffs or baseball or right now at least for fans to be returning i mean this is so uh for example the other night when trey turner the washington nationals shortstop hit for the cycle it was his third you know and it was just to hear the roar of the crowd on a play like that you know the cycle is a cycle it's rare in baseball but you know to have fans back ralph it's pretty special i'm having fun with it well yeah i mean that's what it's all about right so just think about it when there was a bubble and no fans all you heard you know, on the court or the baseball, the crack of the bat or the squeak of the tennis shoe. Yeah. It's kind of weird when we went in. We got used to it, but now we really realize the fans really enjoy the game, but also how much of an impact that they play in the role of the game with makes the players play better or harder because they get cheered by the fans. It's, it's crazy to watch that happening when we didn't have it, and now we have it back, so we appreciate it more. Yeah. How much fun, and I know you were part of the franchise when you got done and you coached out there and you spent some time in Phoenix. How much fun was it to watch the Suns rise in the West and a guy like Chris Paul, who, of course, played at Wake and was a big part of the Atlantic Coast Conference. As a matter of fact, I love his I loved his press conference. He had a Winston-Salem hat yes. to honor the town. And how much fun was that for you? Well, for, for, for me, watching a player like Chris Paul, you know, 16 years in the league, to be able to play and get there finally with a franchise that really never got there since Charles Barkley. And I coached there, Mike, as you know, with yeah. Lance Blanks and the crew as well. And understanding that owner 
Mike, their owner is a basketball fan, but he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to basketball. <laughs> he finally got it right. I mean, can you imagine? We had, we had, we had a guy named Marcin Gortok, Gortok uh, uh, a guy that was six foot eleven. Yeah, and he tells me like, Ralph, I want you to get this guy to shoot a jump hook. I want him to get double double every night, whatever. So we had him start to do that, and then he came to me and said, "Why is he not doing it?" Why? I said, "Well, uh, Mr. Sorry, he can't shoot a jump hook from three point line." You know, because the pick and roll, the game's totally different. So it was the worst basketball season of my life when it came down to the politics of basketball. But I'm so glad to see him because his father built the team in the early 80s. So I've been knowing him for a while and then he took over. You know, no make a difference how much money you have. It's what you do with people. And now they've got the right mixture out there. So I'm glad to see Chris Paul. And he, Mac, he had a great game. Oh, my goodness. Points, had a great game. And he's never played that well in, in any any playoffs ever. Because you yeah. know he always he was up three games to one in some series and ends up losing like twice. Yeah, and so it was snake bitten. But I'm so glad he got there now. I saw on the on the social media, man, they was having the parade down the street in Phoenix, and oh, you only won the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, you, you still got the finals to go to. So you know, hopefully they don't hopefully they don't party too much. Exactly. Uh, a t- he beats a team, the Clippers. He spent six years with. Uh, loves being in Phoenix, and he had 41 the other night, as you talked about. He had 31 in the second half. This is Chris Paul post game. And I just kept thinking, you know what I mean? If, if we do what we're supposed to do, I get the last laugh. You, you, you stay the course long enough, you break them, and, and that's what we did. I think I've just been on the other end of so many losses, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know what that feel like. And before the game, me and Jay was talking about it. You know, we put the work in. You know, if you put the work in, then you live with the outcome. You know, that's a simple phrase. It, it'll it'll be another sticky note. If you put the work in, you you got to live with the outcome, right? Pretty good stuff. Absolutely. You got to put the work in. And he, he's worked over 16 years, so it's been impressive. He has. This is the Winter Circle Network. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mac McDonald, host of Center Court. I've known Ralph Sampson for over 40 years. I watched him grow as a basketball player, achieving greatness at the University of Virginia and at the professional level. I always admired his work ethic and the things he did to be the best. Since he founded the Samson Family Foundation, so many people, young and old, have benefited from Ralph's efforts. The mission for the foundation is simple, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you'd like to learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. If you set the expectation, I sit down with all my parents and I have an expectation meeting of what we're going to try to accomplish each and every season. If you set those expectations, then you fill in the blanks of their curiosity. Now you have to stay true to form of what you said because they're gonna analyze and dissect everything you say and they're gonna hold you to a fine tooth comb with that. If you don't do it, then you're gonna have disarray. If you stay right to it and you're fair with everybody, then life is good for you as the coach. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player, Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. 
Welcome into the Winner's Circle Network. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. And uh, Ralph, great guest today, a good friend of mine. I teach with him at the Dan Patrick School. And he's a former college and minor league pitcher. He was in the Dodgers system. Uh, he loves to tell you he attended the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. Uh, but right now he coaches 13 and 14-year-olds for Team Orlando. We're talking baseball. He's been teaching baseball for over 20 years. If that's not enough, uh, and being the brother of Oral Hershiser, we just downplay that. But he was television sports director and anchor for over 12 years in St. Joseph, Missouri, Portland, Maine, and Fox News Channel Orlando and Denver. He's been around, and I just uh, he knows everything about everything. So, Gordy, welcome to the show. Say hi to a, a Hall of Famer. Yes. Hello, Mr. Sampson. Hello, Mr. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. I just want to know, are you the older brother or the younger brother? Look at this face. I'm much younger. <laughs> I, I, would, I would assume that. I would assume moisturize, that. You, I moisturize, Ralph. I moisturize. It's all good. I'm in TV. Been there. So, no, five, five years younger than, uh, than Oral. But, Mac, you forgot to say within all that, uh-huh. the counselor, the psychiatrist, the psychologist, yes. which as a coach and a leader of young men and kind of mentor to parents. Right you have to go down that path as well because you got to keep it real. Yeah, we're certainly going to get into that for sure because what you do is not just teaching the hit and run or, you know, to steal second and that kind of thing. Uh, this, you know, spin rates are, are still something you talk about. However, working with young kids, and, and Gordy, let's just start with that. What's your overall philosophy of maybe two-part question? What should parents be doing and what are you doing in your position working with 13 and 14 year old kids playing baseball? Like I want to hear, I want to hear this because I'm in camp and I want to hear the how you handle the parents. So that's going to be interesting <laughs> for me because it's a nightmare. Okay, man. Honestly, and, and Ralph, it's, and my, my philosophy has been pretty consistent and pretty simple. One parents, you have to allow the kids to play. That's the deal. You can't do anything for one. You can be there to support and support them. Um, but stay out of their mind. Let coaches do that. Because if you don't have the bond, if you don't have the trust between the person who's guiding your young, your son or your daughter, then guess what? You're going to be a mess. Also, as a coach, if you set the expectation, I sit down with all my parents and I have an expectation meeting of what we're going to try to accomplish each and every season. If you set those expectations, then you fill in the blanks of their curiosity. Because let's face it, a lot of these parents, when they look at their kids when they're younger, they start getting vivid imaginations of projection of what they're going to be and how successful they're going to be. And so they start thinking about 401k plans and (laughs) son and somebody who I co-created bringing them into this planet. I'm thinking of them as my investment portfolio. And so... They start calculating how many hours on the road, how many hours that and dollars that I'm spending into private lessons and things of that nature. Am I getting a return on investment? When all you have to do, let the coaches coach, sit back and enjoy and watch the development of your young child. That is simple as that. Once you answer the questions of the parents, then everything is in place for you. Now you have to stay true to form of what you said because they're going to analyze and dissect everything you say, and they're going to hold you to a fine tooth comb with that. If you don't do it, then you're going to have disarray. If you stay right to it and you're fair with everybody, then life is good for you as the coach. See, I don't think that the parents also understand that sports is the motor of humans. Absolutely. So if you can do that and play team sports or any sport you want to be, it gives you structure. 
and no then life that's the best thing you can have time management skills all that kind of stuff they don't they don't invest in that they don't understand mm -hmm. that they want them to be as you said the next best thing since sliced bread i see it every day i had a kid in camp yesterday the kids just off a chart mm -hmm. and it comes in with skittles and whatever and the family's like okay you can have him for three hours because i can't i mean he runs around the gym hits every kid i think oh my god what am i gonna do with this little kid <laughs> so i had to separate them to make it work but that's a great, great point. If you set the expectations, then they can achieve that. But the parents have to let coaches coach. Yeah, that that and that's that's the toughest thing for them. And just to tell them, stay away from the dugout because that's my time. I tell them in my speech, I said, I'm cutting your umbilical cord. And some people <laughs> like that. Some people don't appreciate that in any way, shape or form. But if you have the credentials and you lay everything out, then you're fine because they come to practice and they're watching practice. And not only are they watching their kid try and develop, but they're actually keeping a mental scorecard of the competition of their kid. Well, little Jimmy, he missed four jump shots and my kid only missed three. Well, as an expert as you are in the world of basketball, you can dissect that and say, this is the difference. Same way as I look at baseball. Yeah, he went 0 for 4, but you know what? He hit four line drives. And your kid went three for four with three flares. So the at-bats were so much better from the 0 for four compared to the three for four. Then you just lay that out on the line and you're just honest and sincere with them because the odds are against them anyway to make it. Let's face it. I mean, as you keep climbing that pyramid, the talent gets much more competitive, mm -hmm. much more difficult. And you just have to be straightforward with them. And because the game's going to expose you for your weaknesses and for your positives and what your attributes are. And, ba and, ba and basketball, so I see that kids shoot. I mean, the fundamentals are so important to me. To shoot the ball the correct way, even if you miss. And parents think, oh, my kid's the best thing out there because he's making threes and, and he's fortunate, but he's shooting from the hip and getting a shot block, you know, with the bigger <laughs> kid. They don't understand that kids going to grow and grow and grow. But they're great at five or ten. They're great. You know, they're the best thing out there. But then they stop. That's grading. They stop. And then you don't, you don't, they don't choose that. So I know in baseball, as technical as I'm sure you are, I am as well. If I can right. teach them to shoot the correct way or move the correct way, then as they get older, they develop even better. But Karen's wanting to be a commodity at 12 years old, and it's not possible. I am loving this conversation between two mentors and two guys who teach. So both of you get my question. So your opening meeting, you've got your camps coming up, Gordy, your team travel, your baseball mm -hmm. opening meeting with the parents. What's the message to them then? How do you how do you dictate exactly how you're going to handle it? Gordy, we'll let you go first. The first thing that I say literally is, your kid is not as good as you think he is. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great that's, statement right that's there. So that's so good. So I just I tell them, I said, this is this is the ultimate reality check because the trans the transition from the little field of little league baseball where little Jimmy's dropping bombs <laughs> on a two hundred foot fence. All right. And he might be physically more mature than somebody at that age. And Ralph alluded to it. We can't coach puberty. Okay. You have no idea when that switch is going to go. <laughs> so little Jimmy is a superstar in little league. Then he transitions to the big field and all those big flies with the poor techniques and the poor habits and things of that nature are nothing but a fly out. And now he can't compete because here's a little Jimmy or little Sammy on the other side who's taken his time, hasn't worried about statistics, where he's hitting the batting order, this, that, and the other. He respects and understands, I have a job to do. And he, you, you instill in them long-term vision, not short-term gain. And there's a complete difference in that. 
So if you can have them look to the future, and this is why we're doing things, as Ralph said, translate to the next level, then they're going to be fine as they grow into their body. And mommy and daddy, they're going to be okay because they're psychotic enough as it is because the 401k <laughs> plan comes in at Little League. Then they get to the big field and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Those players that my kid used to dominate, they're surpassing them. Why is that the case? And that's the toughest thing for parents. Wow. Ralph, is that anywhere? Uh, does that sound familiar? It, your it, message? it is extremely familiar. So uh, in, in, in some of the similarities, though, I teach the program when I get a kid, especially when I'm doing private training or group training called MAP, Motivation, Attitude, and Plan. That's you got to be self-motivated to be there. You got to have a great attitude. Every day. And then what's your plan? Because parents need one. Teachers have one. Coaches have one. And I make the parents write up the plan and we, we write it down. We, we do the same. Thing. So very, very similar. And I'm actually taking, I'm, 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 I'm taking notes. That. I'm about to that and attribute that to you for sure. That's outstanding. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking notes. So you can take my map plan. I'm going to take, set the expectations, yeah, cut the cord and all the other ones. I'm going I'm to put that in that plan. <laughs> well, Gordy, well, we yeah, have... it's an educational series, anatomy, baseball, basketball. That's the whole yeah. thing. Well, so, hey, Gordy, we, um, We've been doing the show since November and Ralph and I steal, uh, there are quotes that our guests will have. And we've, we've borrow, started, we've started, borrow. well, okay, we, <laughs> but we have borrowed uh, quotes for our, yes. so I just, I just ripped one off too. Ralph, are you ready? You can't yep. coach puberty. I, <laughs> I love that one. I love that one. How, how good is that? Can't do uh, it. Is uh, and one more thing, and then we'll go to break here, uh, Gordy. In this segment, Gordy Hershiser is our guest, uh, uh, just a, uh, a good friend of mine, and teaches at the Dan Patrick School, a former college and minor league pitcher, and now with a lot of travel baseball. The travel baseball, it, is there more pressure with travel baseball, and, and parents see that travel baseball is, hey, this is the the big chance for my for my son and or daughter. <laughs> It's the most confused industry going. <laughs> Seriously. Absolutely. And this is why I say it. Because we're so hung up now on analytics. And there's significance to analytics. There really is. However, you hear more and more coaches say, can the kid play? I don't care about his launch angle. I don't right. care about his exit velocity. <laughs> I don't care about his spin rate and his velocity. If he can't throw it over the plate, you can't use it. <laughs> if he's got a 103 exit velocity in batting practice because he's a five o'clock hitter and Ralph, a five o'clock hitter is when major league baseball players take batting practice right. at five o'clock. Right. Two hours later is the game and he can't hit Jack. So he's a five o'clock hitter. So he's got great exit velo and they post that on social media. Um, so everyone's caught up in the numbers but they don't know how to do basic bunt rotation. They don't know and understand cutoffs. They don't understand, it's, it's phenomenal when you talk to them to the basics of the details that Ralph is stressing, that one day, one day, and this is why we coach, mm -hmm. the light switch goes on and you just go, yes, he was listening and he now comprehends what we've been talking about the whole time. But youth baseball, sports, travel, regardless of what it is, hoops, my girls played competitive volleyball, and the youth baseball, it is a confused industry because people think you, it means this when it actually means that. Our guest today is Gordy Hershiser, who coaches 13 and 14-year-olds for Team Orlando, a director of baseball development for an organization in Winter Garden as well. He was a TV guy, uh, a guy I worked with Ralph at uh, the Dan Patrick School. And he He's a former college pitcher. All right. He talks about Alabama all the time. He was in the Dodgers system, a lot of minor league uh, baseball. We'll get into some major league baseball later. 
Gordy, as mm -hmm. far as the name image likeness thing, yeah. what's your view? It passed last week. What What's your view of nil and how is it going to affect college athletics? Well, I think what you're going to do is you're going to look at, obviously, the big-time athletes are going to continue to go to big-time schools of exposure. Now, there, there's more and more schools that are on TV because live television, it's where it's at. Mm -hmm. um, but you need that success. Um, it's something that's long overdue. I mean, they're still getting their college education. They're making millions upon billions for that school. Uh, they might as well take advantage of it because um, there is no guaranteed of the next level. So um, if you can put it away a little bit, if not necessarily draw on it, if I think that would be a smart business plan, don't necessarily take it when you're in college, because as we all know, we're at that young age of uh, late teens and early 20s. We mm -hmm. might uh, blow through money a little bit quicker. Um, if you can set it aside, that'd be smarter. But I think it's, it's long overdue. And, and let's face it, it's really only going to deal with the top athletes, the ones of exposure. Um, your, your interior guard and stuff like that, or the 14th guy on the bench, um, or the 26th man on the roster for baseball, he's not going to see anything such as that. And that gets into a whole nother thing with expanded rosters and college sports and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it's mainly going to be for your superstars. And I don't think it's going to throw it out of whack. I mean, it might, uh, there's always been funny and mysterious money and, and hundred dollar handshakes <laughs> and things <laughs> of that nature. Um, Hopefully that that uh, will eliminate that to a sense. Now, now go ahead. if you are the 26th man on that roster and you come out of a high school and you think you all were right and you're not getting any playing time, will you transfer? Because you can go into portal and you can transfer and play right away. And if you were a coach, would you want that player back? Two good questions. One, there's no guarantee. You can go into the portal. All right. But there's no guarantee anyone's going to pick you up for one. Right. And with the opportunities and again, with the COVID rosters and the way they are. And I know this personally speaking, because I have a, uh, I have a relative who's at a, uh, a university and their roster this past season was 42 guys for a baseball roster, which is enormous. All right. And so your, your opportunities are few and far between. Um, and then if you're, you know, if you're going to transfer and you continue to play, that's a, that's a great thing. Um, but overall, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. Um, as you know, Ralph, um, you want to be uh, on point with the kids and they want to be fair about themselves and they want to take advantage, full advantage of what they have going on in life um, and take full advantage of it. But if they don't, uh, they don't get that opportunity, then that, that not falls on them because people are going to tell you if you are good enough or not. I mean, I, I can sit there and I can put my promotional campaigns out there, my marketing campaigns, my Zoom links here, take a look at me. <clears throat> but if I don't have the goods to, to sell my likeness or get on the field, then you're just exposed. So I have a good, okay, I'm going to circle back because our first segment, we were talking about 13 and 14 year olds and, and yeah. the great line, you can't coach puberty. Do you think, Gordy, that you will start to hear in your dugout, in your little world of travel baseball, which is a bigger world than, than we know, do you think you'll start to hear 14 and 15 year olds start to talk about where I want to go, how much I can make? Will the parents start talking about, let's build you a website. Let's because, oh, you know, do. Oh, they do now. <laughs> oh, they yeah. Do now. Oh, don't, don't. So the, so here's the thing about, um, because you play in these certain organizations from a perfect game to U triple SA to uh, prep baseball report to whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you play in their competitions, they rank you 
based on having a gun mm -hmm. behind home plate and you have a kid who's just out of college or even in high school and all he's doing is just writing down the measurables okay so they write them down and that's how they grade you for right. one that, that's your analytics there two the more time that you spend in that organization or playing in those events hey, you're making money for them. You're giving them money. Guess whose ranking is going to go higher because you're giving them more money? I don't know. Put two and two together. <laughs> and the ultimate thing is this. If people really feel that a college coach is going to go to a website of a neutral third party and build their roster and offer a scholarship sight unseen based on the, the evaluation <laughs> of a 17-year-old evaluating a 14-year-old? <laughs> Holy smoke, I've got some swampland for you down there. And uh, <laughs> it's a really good investment, okay? It doesn't happen. It still gets to the point where the proof is in the eyes and can they do it? And so there's the measurables there, but, and Ralph can attest to this, and Mac, you've heard it as well. Mm -hmm. When I deal with college coaches, they ask me about three things. One, the character of the individual, okay? That's an intangible, that's between me and the kid, all right? Two, tell me about the family. Are they good family? Do they stay out of the way? Are they heavily involved, okay? And the third thing that they're always asking me about is how long has he been with that organization? Because if he's a hopper, if he's a jumper, if he goes organization to organization, he's not committed. He's always looking for the next best thing. Those are the three things they always ask me about. And so, People can sit there and say, well, I've got a weighted GPA of this, and I've got a vertical of that, and I've got a spin rate of that. And I meet all these measurables according to the so-called experts of these are the charts that are going to make you appealing to college coaches. Uh, no. Okay. I'll share a little story with you. A few years ago, the ultimate youth baseball competition is something called the Perfect Game Woodbat World Series down in Jupiter, Florida, every October. Mm -hmm. It's freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. And high school, yeah, high school, high school, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in this event, there was 88 teams, okay. Oh. And you have to assume there's 10 pitchers per, per squad, so that's 880 pitchers, let's say. Everybody kept telling me if you hit the magic number of 90 miles an hour, you're in. <laughs> so, I went to the perfect game tab and I clicked on the 90 mile an hour club and I clicked it. 78 of 880 pitchers had hit 90 miles an hour, okay? Now, I click on the tab of committed. Only 34 of 78 pitchers were committed. 90 miles an hour is the magic number. I thought that meant that you're going to get committed. No. So it gets down to forget about the analytics. Don't worry about all your numbers. Getting down to the sense of can you play the game and understand the game and make your teammates look better because that's hugely important as well. How you conduct yourself on the field, more importantly, how do you conduct yourself off the field? Because these guys don't have identity. I'm a coach, look at me. And they're listening to every single word that you say, how you take the field, how you come off the field, how you interact with your teammates. Right. That's what they're so, looking for. So in basketball, Mac, the analytics is, is you know, I mean, they got a $150,000 a year system in every NBA arena, right? But the analytics say, well, Mac, you should shoot here. Go to you, you should shoot from here. But it doesn't tell you like LeBron James or this. It doesn't tell you who's guarding you. Right. <laughs> you know, right. It, it, but tell you, you should shoot from that spot. I mean, the, the owner of the Phoenix Sun, we had it out there. He said, this guy should shoot from this spot because this is what the analytics say. I'm like, you gave you, you hired a Harvard graduate to tell me, never yep. played sports in his life, that this guy should shoot from this spot and the offense should be geared by him. But he said, 
LeBron not he, he ain't he, tonight he can't shoot from that spot because he got somebody else defending him. So I can only imagine a ninety mile an hour fastball that could turn and twist and 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 said, okay, if you a hitter, you can't hit that, you can't hit that or whatever. Analysts can't tell you that. It's got to be hard. It's and here's be, what here's here's what amazes me. What Gordy just said. Here's what absolutely amazes me. Gordy said, I asked him a question about thirteen and fourteen year olds. Gordy said, and I quote, when college coaches speak with me. So so Gordy. Are they looking at 14 and 15 year olds right now? Yes. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yep. They are. They're looking at them. And, and again, everyone has the, the illusion about these delusional thoughts that their 13 and 14 year olds going to be the next best one. Yeah. The parents get involved. Oh, no, in you don't know. You don't know. You know, I've spoken to Oral about this. His son, Jordan, 6'8, 215, right handed pitcher. Great mechanics, okay? Made it to AAA and stuff like that. But you just never know. And I'll always tell the people, and Ralph has done the same thing. Look at a roster. Tell me where they went to school. Mm -hmm. Because I'm supposed to go to a Florida or Florida State or Stanford or Vanderbilt or Mississippi State. You've got no idea. You can't gauge an individual's heart. You can see his physical size. You can see, oh, by the way, we're going to measure your height when you're standing in your baseball cleats on concrete. So it's going to make you an inch to an inch and a half higher, taller. Um, just, to, just to let you know. I'm sick. I'm so I'm, sick. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. That's, so there's little tricks with the trade. Um, so it is, man, Mac, you get me going on this stuff. I know. <laughs> that was our goal. Got him juiced up, Mac. You got him ready to go. <laughs> on this stuff. Yeah. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it reminds us of all that once was good and it could be again. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball star Ralph Sampson. Again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back to the Winner's Circle Network. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson and a good friend of mine, Gordy Hershiser, has joined us today. Really good stuff. Uh, you can't coach puberty. I uh, love that. Just uh, I'll keep bringing <laughs> that up. Gordy, you, you were in the minors. Uh, of course, your brother, Oral, who, who pitched for the Dodgers, had the, the wonderful year in 1988 and, yep. and should be in the Hall of Fame soon, I would think. Um, as you look at Major League Baseball now, the latest sticky substance <laughs> you pitched, is there a major, major issue here? Spin rates and all this stuff. Should we be concerned about Major League Baseball? Well, it's been going on for years. You really don't have to worry about, you know, concerns of uh, Major League Baseball. Um, you know, what was that? The last line of Field of Dreams by uh, James Earl Jones, I believe, is the actor. He mm -hmm. said, oh, baseball's been beat down, rebuilt, and this, whatever it was. It's an unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable soliloquy of, of information talking about our national pastime. Baseball's always going to bounce back. People need to understand about spin rate. Spin rate is why it's important is because it disguises the pitch. So if there's a spin rate that's really fast, it's hard for the batter to detect what pitch is coming. So mm -hmm. that's the big thing when it comes to spin rate. As far as the game being on it, no. We recovered from 98 between McGuire and, and Sosa and what they went through. Um, it ebbs and flows. It peaks and valleys. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. And there's always been substance put on the ball way back in the day of Gaylord Perry, 
Um, I mean, he touched, you know, all over himself <laughs> and Emory boards, <laughs> no Negro on the mound and stuff like that. Um, but it's always been around. And, and, you know, now the only thing that I truly know of, I never used any substance. I, I didn't. Um, maybe I should have, because as I, the running joke in the Hershiser family is, I got a lot of guys to the big leagues. Oral got them out. <laughs> there's no, there no freaking payment plan coming back. You know what I'm talking about? So one guy I remember, um, he would soak his pants in soap overnight, let him hang dry. And so, wow. so the next day when he would pitch with the perspiration, the soap would come to the top of the uniform. He'd lick his fingers, but you'd have to wipe them off. Well, he'd wipe them off. He was actually loading up the ball. So wow. that was a great maneuver, a great tactic. We also had a dude in the minors is the greatest thing ever. So when a pitcher in the stretch, he normally comes, I'm going to think of a right-handed pitcher. When he comes set, normally he brings his left foot up to his right to the rubber. What he would do when he really needed a little bit more in his fastball, he would, because of consistency and boredom, he would come up and he'd drag his right foot forward. And then he'd pause and then he'd throw and he'd actually shorten the distance from 60 feet, six inches to about 50 to about 59 feet because the umpires never noticed. <laughs> and so he'd get a little bit more on his fastball. He, he would drag his right foot forward instead of the left foot back. So there's all kinds of little tactics and stuff like that. You have to, you know, it's not necessarily the pitcher who's got it. Who's the last guy who touches the ball, the third baseman. He might have something on his glove. Oh, wow. he, might have, he might have a piece of blended in sandpaper right at the point of where he catches the ball all the time and he grinds it and he scuffs it. He could have a thumbtack in there. Somebody within the circle of the infield may have something on the on the baseball, not necessarily the pitcher. I never would expect that, Mike. I wouldn't think the other guy would have something in their glove. But that's oh, I think it's a team effort. I, I wonder if I could, if I had my shorts, if I soaked them in uh, <laughs> soap at night, would that, would that give me advantage in basketball? I don't know. That's a good thought. I might have to try that. Just, hey, you know, you, you just never know. You just never know. But the game has been all about um, who, who, I don't know, who famously said, you know, if you're, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. But, uh, <laughs> so it, it is what it is. It is I think, is. yeah, I think that was Leo DeRocher, but don't quote me on that. So, uh, you know, Gordy, in following Major League Baseball and following your brother, uh, the only player to receive the Cy Young Award, the Championship Series MVP Award, and the World Series MVP the same oh. season, 1988, was so special. He's a big part of the Dodgers now and that whole Hall of Fame thing. And Absolutely. but I was I was surprised mm -hmm. to find out that that when he had the torn labrum on the shoulder of his pitching arm, that Dr. Frank Job, who I think has performed a gazillion uh, shoulder reconstructions, that, that Oral was first in 1990. I, I was shocked at that. Well, what, what had happened was <clears throat> in the late Dr. Job, he was the innovator and the pioneer of it. And he mm -hmm. actually did my elbow as well. He did the Tommy John procedure of it. But yeah, what Dr. Job did, because Oral when his shoulder got so loose, if he were to, if anybody let you get fitted for a, for a uh, fitted shirt, right? They want to take the measurement of your arms. Well, oral his shirts had to be custom fit because if he put his arms by his side and then put his hands together, then his fingers were like of his right arm about three quarters of an inch longer than his left. Wow. Because everything was so stretched out in there. So he had toured, yeah, a partial tear of his labrum and even of his cuff, rotator cuff, and so they put a synthetic mesh in there and it's medicine. It's experimental. Hey, let's, it works on a cadaver. Let's try it on a human being. Why not? Right? <laughs> so he just went in there and he tightened everything up and yeah, he was the first one. Now 
because of that tightness back in his shoulder, it changed his arm angle, his complex, his, his perspective of how to pitch because he couldn't do things that he could before. And Ralph knows this. The longer you play, your body breaks down. So you don't have the right flexibility right. in this, that, and the other. So, um, but it was amazing that he could come back yes, yes. and even throw a baseball after that because it's experimental. Hey, let's see what happens here. You know, mm -hmm. it's the same thing when Tommy John first did it. Um, he blew his arm out. He continued to throw. He stretched out his, his what we call the funny bone, our, our unilateral uh, ligament right there. Mm -hmm. And he literally had no feeling in his left hand. So he'd throw the ball against the wall. He'd catch it, put the ball in his left hand again because Tommy John was a lefty, reshape his fingers on the ball, and then throw it again because he had no sensation in his hand. Wow. So you just never know in medicine and things of that nature. But yeah, but Oral had a brilliant career. Um, and unfortunately, Mac, he'll never have the opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame um, because his percentage dropped below 10%. And then you have a year afterwards with the, the veteran committee can um, vote him in as a player. But from an achievement standpoint, he's in the hall for consecutive uh, scoreless innings of uh, oh, yeah. 59 and two thirds or whatever. <laughs> right, right. How about that? I want to know, so you, you've been around baseball athletes all you know, all your life, whatever. But there, there's this thing, what I call the it factor. We talk about it with young kids. We see them develop. What do you think that is? You've seen yourself, your brother, your family, you've been around, but, you know, and I've been around it all my life as well. But there's something I call the it factor. What what makes you oral and what's your view of a kid that you feel that may have that it factor and what is that i think ralph the it factor is truly somebody who can simplify the game and keep it to the game and not get too lost in everything um they look at big picture items of how they can help out their teammates and things of that nature i look at somebody like ken griffey jr the most gifted baseball player i've ever seen and played against also barry larkin who's a friend of mine, uh, Hall of Fame shortstop, Cincinnati Red. <clears throat> you just know physically you can see it. You can see how they carry their demeanor. They're arrogant and positive, but they're so humble in nature um, of what they can do. And so it's the Wayne Gretzky's, it's the Magics, it's the birds. They just conduct themselves. They kind of hover above everybody just a little bit more. Um, they're assured in what they can do, yet they're not... Uh, outrageously arrogant of look at me and pound my chest and stuff like that. To me, that's the it factor. Just how you conduct yourself on the field in a positive way, not only for yourself, your teammates, respecting the game, so on and so forth. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Gordy, can you teach the it factor? No, no. You, um, you can tell them what it might be, but it comes from within. Mm -hmm. It comes from within that uh, you see things differently, Mac. Mm -hmm. um and so that is that is the deal you can talk about it but unless it's within you you know ralph when in watching ralph obviously he had a size and physical ability but the thing that was so much impressive was his demeanor on the court that was the whole thing yeah that did develop so and getting back to where we were for a segment two and talking about yeah. your 13 and 14 year olds <clears throat> for for parents coaches of little league how do you protect a kid's arm? What should you, is there an age, uh, age equation for becoming a pitcher and protecting arms? Well, basically everybody is a pitcher. It's just a matter of if they stand in the middle of the mound because you're throwing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so that's the thing. It's, it's, it is management. It's management of your knees, you know, when, when it comes to basketball and your legs. It's simple management and it's not getting caught up in 
velo. And, and here's the unfortunate thing, velocity. Literally World Series, okay? I, I kid you not, it, it is like clockwork. People now, because the exposure of the kids, they're putting on regional semifinals and stuff like that, even before they get there. Parents will look at people and say, oh, that guy from wherever Wyoming has an unbelievable curveball. That's the reason why he's successful. No, he's moving the ball in, out, up, and down. But my lessons will increase after the Little League World Series because there's some kid out there who's got a filthy breaking ball and they feel that he has to throw a breaking ball at a young age to be successful. You don't. Um, it is management. It is communication. It is not worried about the medals and little trophies that you win at the age of 12 because your high school coach, I promise you, is not going to care that you played for Gordy Hershiser or that you won a perfect game or U-Triple-S-A or an AAU mm. tournament game. He's going to want to know when the balls are thrown out on the court, can you play the game? Do you know what you're doing? So it's all about management. It's all about care of the arm. Um, it's so much more now nutrition, um, flexibility, um, and just being honest with yourself about what your long-term goals are and have a plan, getting back to the motivation, your attitude, and your plan, mm -hmm. which lives sells in every single industry of life. And I attribute that to Ralph Sampson right there. So, yeah, and Ralph, yeah. So, as, as Gordy says, you got to coach the parents at some point. So <laughs> you got to be- That's the toughest job in the world. That's the toughest job in the world. If you Gordy, can conquer that one, you, you'll get everything fixed. Gordy, thank you so much. Some great, great insights. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it's it. It's wonderful to catch up. Of course, Ralph, I have the- uh, Gordy and I talk every day about something stupid. So anyway, <laughs> uh, Gordy, wonderful insights. And uh, we hope to have you back soon. The You know, all the talk about Little League and kids and kids of that age. You can't coach puberty, and I, that'll stick with me for quite some time. There you go. There you go. Stuff like that. Thanks Ralph, so much. My pleasure, Mac. Continue success with the uh, with the podcast, gentlemen. All Thank right. you very much. All right, Ralph and I'll be back as we close up shop. Stay with us. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, "How do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster?" The first thing I ask is, "What have you done? Do you have any experience?" And the answer is normally nothing yet because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sports casting, I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. Welcome back in the Winter Circle Network, Center Court with Ralph Sampson as we wrap up. Uh, really great stuff from Gordy Hershiser the brother of Oral Hershiser. I always kind of, you know, say that at the same time, but Gordy has made such a mark, uh, Ralph, in his own, uh, you know, in his own way. And especially now with what he's had a lot of success with Team Orlando and uh, he, this director of baseball development job he had with Chandler Baseball. It was in Winter Garden, but he's, he's done an outstanding job with kids. And as we laughed about with parents as well. Well, Mac, you see the interview and it was great for me because the juices get to flowing when you start talking about Thing that you're passionate about. Absolutely. You see his passion, you see his family, you see Oral him, you see what he's done in his career. 
and what he's continued to do over his career, helping kids at that young age develop to become an athlete, but also a person as well. So great interview, great guy. Look forward to having him on again. It's just amazing to see kind of what his thought process is. Yeah, it'd be fun to get him and Oral together. Oh, that might be a, a sibling rivalry. <laughs> so, and, and I know we touched on it, name, image, likeness, the big thing this week. We will watch the development of that. Do you have concerns at this standpoint now with, uh, because I can just imagine student athletes are saying, because last, what was it, last Thursday now, people, yeah, it's July 1. Hey, we're good. We, we can start building websites. Do you have concerns about the way this is going to be legislated it's it's concerns all over the place you don't know what's going to happen it's a new wild wild west out here with with that so it's going to take a couple years before it probably settles down i think the ncaa is in trouble in some respects with this thing and then as we said in the interview every state every school may have something different so i think for a while here it's going to be something that is going to be scary and then also i think a kid that goes out there and is able to uh, obtain any type of financial gain, right? How that look, how you pay taxes? What, how do you do all that? Cause who's going to teach them that part of the business, right? Sure. Uh, it's student athlete, not just an athlete. And then, you know, they got to come out. They're not, they're not taking accounting classes. How they're going to all work within the university. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, will there be conference rules, school rules, States are going to get involved. Yes. I mean, with the NCAA releasing the story last week, Hey, it's all, it, it all looks glitzy and, and, you know, Merry Christmas, happy new year with this but I still think there's just a long way to go with just building the legislation of how it's going to work. Yeah. Student athletes. And you know, whether you're the Olympic swimmers from Virginia or an outstanding right. softball player from JMU, this is really going to be uh, interesting to watch. And I think fun to a certain degree along the way, but I think we have just a long way to go. Well, have fun at camp. Are you going to coach uh, or mentor any differently after today? I will. I'm, I'm going to use some of the cut to cut the cord. I'm going to use some of those things. Cut the cord. I'm going to use that in my speech. You know, uh, hey. in the camp this week and next week because it'll be fun. Hey, you can't coach puberty. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald, and that's center court for this week on the Winner's Circle Network. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winter Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.